today's scripture is Exodus chapter 1, verses 5 through 21. Again, Exodus 1, 5 through 21. The total number of people born to Jacob was 70. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers and that whole generation. But the Israelites were fruitful and prolific. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now a new king arose over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase. And in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. How dare they? Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless and imposing task on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Puah, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt with the midwives and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews, you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. The word of God for the people of God. Church Wicker Park site, and I'm so glad you're here. I had, uh, uh, I didn't get much sleep. My son was, my son is just like me, um, and so he decided to ride on a motorcycle without knowing how to ride a motorcycle. So he fell off, and he had to go into the hospital. Uh, but uh, his mom just told me that he's doing great. He got out of surgery. He's in recovery. Um, but in times like this, for me. I call my mother, you know, uh, and so I have my daughter, Gab Gabriela, and, and my son, Nathaniel. And when Gabby was born, um, I think it was like she was 29 days old, and they told us that she had meningitis, and she was going to make it. And so I remember just being at um, my in-law's house, 
and you know my my wife and and the baby you know Gabriela and like trying to be so strong because everyone was crying and I'm a big crier but so I like trying to stay strong but then the phone rings and I pick it up and I'm like hello and, she, and it's like oh it's it's mommy I'm like and I like slowly went to the back and cried silently and my mom didn't say a word all she did was listen to me while I cried and it and a lot of the things that I learn about um, times like when they are uh, bad or seem hopeless is that my mom always had faith and always has faith um, and and so today you know, I, I, it's two or three in the morning and I felt like the sense of peace that uh, God, and I didn't have to call my mom. And I'm like, oh wait, I learned this on my own after 53 years. <laughs> I learned from my mother. Um, and, and so uh, last week we started our series called Fierce, Bold Women of, Bold Women of the Bible. Um, and last week was special because we baptized three fierce women. Um, and a thing that, in a way that we haven't done before, and I, I'm really excited about what God is doing through this. And so this will be the only sermon I'm going to preach from this series, and we're going to hear from other voices for the rest of, uh, of the month in, into June. Um, and so this story that we are hearing in, in Exodus, I really nerded out on the Bible verses. So you, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to condense it a little bit, uh, just because it, it really. Um, uh, why did all these questions? Why were these two names put in there? They didn't really name a lot of women. Um, why didn't the king have a name, but the women had a name? Um, all of these things, especially from a Bible that um, is written from a men's perspective, all uh, the Old Testament and New Testament for that case, uh, but here. We come to this story, and the story um, is tied closely to Moses, because Moses, um, if, if you know the story of Moses, uh, he was a Hebrew baby, John, uh, raised in Pharaoh's court, but did not become a prince. He became a liberator of his people. And so the people that he liberated were the Israelites, um, and they were enslaved, and they were considered to be less than human by the Egyptians. They were um, on the margins of society um, in that time. And so the story of Exodus from, from, from Egypt is, is and going into the promised land, it's like a huge part of, of uh, Hebrew history and in the Hebrew Bible. And so the Moses story we know, but to be honest, I really didn't, pay attention to this story of these two women these that stayed they set the stage for Moses without the midwives we don't have all of the all of the rest of it and so the the story that that Paul read I'm going to read just a part that we didn't read because I'm just going to go ahead a little bit for uh before uh it says then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they're going to become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses 
as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more that they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked with them ruthless, ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked ruthlessly. And so here we have the midwives that um, are given an order by the Pharaoh. And so a little context here, the Israelites moved to Egypt um, during a time of famine and, um, and people were starving. And so Joseph, which we know was sold into slavery into Egypt and, uh, um, as a result of jealousy of his brothers. And we might hear about Joseph uh, during Pride Month. Um, and for a while, the Israelites, um, they coexisted with the Egyptians for many years. But then something happened. And the Pharaoh takes over and enacts this campaign against the Hebrews, against that word Hebrew, using it as a bad name for them. And as he saw them growing in number, he began to dehumanize them. And he began to um, do things to them by enslaving them, forcing them to do different types of labor, um, and just treating them as the other. And so as, as he begins to limit their growth of the Hebrew people, who only keep growing in number, um, he decides to do certain things. And for me, this is a certain type of xenophobia that he had. He pushes this idea um, to take drastic measures against these people. And he convinces everyone that this is fair and they should do this. He shifts the opinion of the people in Egypt. And so there's widespread buy-in. Because sometimes you say, how can, how can um, the Nazi have done what they did? It couldn't be done without the uh, buy-in of the people of the country. And he did it by this campaign of dehumanizing the Hebrew people, the Israelites. And so these women were Hebrew midwives, but if you dig a little deeper, and scholars now kind of think that they, um, these were midwives to the Hebrew nation, but um, they were Egyptian and Hebrew uh, midwives. They attended to all the births in the, in the area. And so um, scholars believe that they were actually Egyptian or uh, from another part of Africa. And so they had this rich uh, history of, of knowing different lands, different languages, different cultures. And their job was not just to birth a baby. They, they were there for the whole process with, with the, the mom. And so I can imagine when they hear this, uh, this decree from the Pharaoh, he chooses these midwives because they are Egyptian. And he, and he wants to make sure that they get the job done that he asked. And that was to exterminate all the boys. And so I wonder what's going through their head. Maybe different scenarios. Um, one way is to be courageous and just say no to the Pharaoh. But if they say no to the Pharaoh, he might just kill everybody. So they had to think. Maybe we refuse to follow the orders. We're going to die. 
and that our friends and families are all going to die. Or we can be courageous and say to the Pharaoh, we follow the Pharaoh's orders and we promote all your laws. And why would we be responsible for the death to the next generation of Hebrews? They can stand up to the Pharaoh. But these midwives were, were really smart. And this is what they said. They use one word. And the one word is and. Because they said and we fear God. That's where they, the story changes. They reverse um, they, they reverse this whole thing because they revere and they love God. They trust God. The and in the belief of God. And it seems that it begins to spark their courage. And it wasn't just this moment with Pharaoh, but it had been developed over their lives through different situations, like we hear from Talon. Different things that happen begin to form and develop this courage and this love for God. But fearing God helps them see beyond just a life or death. The courage is far more uh, than a choice um, of saying yes or no to the Pharaoh. It's instead about saying and yes to life. And so the midwives here are courageous. They're disruptors, but they're like divine disruptors into this, into this city. They, they're brave in the refusal to exterminate the baby boys that they did, but they're also clever when explaining why baby boys keep getting born. He says, these Hebrew women are so strong that they give birth before we even get there. This is smart. This is courageous. This is a fierce, bold woman. Two of them. So... When I think about the, how I'm, I, I've learned, most of my jobs have been in nonprofit and community uh, service, and all of the executive directors have been women. Um, I'm a mama's boy. Um, I, and I'm like, what, what am I going to speak about when talking about these two women? But this is the part of the story that I think really helps me, is these two verses of them, um, super courageous. But... The subtle courage that is shown when they say, and I fear God, those, just those words, but putting the and with it, they were involved deeply with the families in, of, of the Hebrew people. They didn't just come at, at nine months. They were there for the whole time. They knew the, the women that they were working with. They identified with their pain. They sat with people in their pain, at their moment of pain. And they held hands with them during that pain. They confronted the things that brought them maybe despair or, or makes, that makes people say, I give up. They were there for all of that. And so day after day, day birth after birth, they came alongside the other. While the whole nation is saying they are the other dehumanizing them. These midwives knew them inside and out. They knew that they were people of God. And it took this much courage for them to do this. They knew that their God was one who sits alongside them by being with the Israelites. 
a God who doesn't just go to the margins to serve for a week at a mission trip. No, God speaks from the margins. They learn that. They learn that God speaks through these Israelites that you, are, you want us to exterminate. But God is speaking through them. And so what am I going to do? And so they do this. They live in the margins with them. And in their vocation and in taking their oath, in all ways serve life, they dip into it. They get into it. They dig into it. This is a, see if I have this quote by uh, my, my uh, Angelo. Let's see. I don't. I'll look it up. Put it in the e-news. <laughs> um, for, for Shifra, I, I've been wanting to say the name because I mispronounced it, and Pua, all of these moments, their lives, their, their vocation, the people that they're with on the margins, the ones that people keep calling, calling other, they develop this courageous heart within them, this boldness around them. And they don't mess around with decisions like life or death, Egyptian or Hebrew, male or female, gay or straight. Instead, they passion for justice and for care for all humanity, even the ones that everyone is saying put to death because and God. So courage tells us uh, to to be strong, it gives us the freedom to sit down. It gives us the freedom to listen, especially when we're privileged and we wanna talk. It gives us this freedom to stay quiet and listen to the people who are suffering, the people who are being othered in the world. But it also gives us permission to use that privilege and get a mic when you need to get a mic. You understand? We have this and God where we can do all sorts of things because God calls us to those places like he calls the midwives. And then we can say, and there's another way here. Instead of telling someone, no, you're not included. No, you can't get baptized. No, you can't be a member. And God, fear of God should, should uh, dictate that humanity comes first before a rule, before a sign on a door for a bathroom, the trouble that takes to go out of your way to do that. But there's another way with Jesus, another way to keep birthing new life. Maybe it's something I can't see yet, but it's giving birth. We're all midwives here. God has called us to do that. It allows us to, to be as the midwives and bring it on with a holy imagination. Imagine what could be the world as God wants it to be. And so whenever you see something, you'll be like, wait, that's not the world as God wants it to be. What do I do here? And God, no decision of bad or good. It's and God, our love for God, our, our reverence for God. So when we have humility to see the world around us, then we're going to have the audacity and we're going to have the passion to imagine the world as it is 
And one example is um, at, uh, I, I worked for Logan Square Neighborhood Association for quite a few years. I remember when Nancy Artemal was the executive director for 30 years and she was gonna hire me. I was gonna do education in a school with, with uh, moms. She's like, I don't know if a man can do this job. And they, not, they had not hired a man. I was the first man, but hey, queer. <laughs> um, and, she, and so she hired me, and I started um, working with moms at the school. And the moms were incredible. They said, hey, we want to learn English, and this school is closed. Why can't you keep the school open instead of having us go to Truman? Can't you bring Truman to us? And I, huh. What a good idea. We brought Truman to the school because these moms said, and God, the world as it should be, should be a place where they can learn in a building that's closed from three o'clock on. And now the school uh, ended up being open. I ended up directing this beautiful program where we had arts programs, uh, education, uh, dance, all sorts of things. Because these moms walked out into the community, asked the people in the community, what would you like? If this was a perfect community, what would we have? And they brought all of those. Creating a program that is nation, uh, nationally known, the Parimenter program. That started here in our neighborhood. And it's all over the country. Community learning centers started by those moms and, one, and Nancy decides to leave and Juliet takes her place, de Jesus. Now, I, I worked with Juliet, she was the education director. She hired me when I was here to work with uh, young adults around social justice. And I had never had the experience of being led by someone like her. And I think it's because it's the first time that I had a boss that was from my same neighborhood like I've known her, like I know myself. I know where she came from, I knew where she was about, but she has this certain way of leading where she wants liberation for the people and it has to come from the people. So the first thing she does is she changes the name to Palenque, LSNA, Palenque, which is the first free city in the whole uh, continent, all, this, all the Americas, first city that was free for Africans. And they created this safe sanctuary and then pretty soon indigenous people started coming and, and all the other residents that were enslaved, they started coming into these walled cities, that's what Palenque means, and created these uh, places of refuge. And so now the name for Palenque is Palenque, moms and women, mujeres, creating these walled cities of refuge for everyone. And for the first time, they've dedicated that black and brown people should work together, just like they did in the Palenques. Juliet has changed my, my life. I, I, I will actually be in the board, so I'm inviting you all. I'm gonna put up a sign here. On Thursday, um, Juliet, for all the time that I've worked there, they, being LGBTQ in a community organization, you would think it's easy, but it's not. It's hard because people speak in certain ways, people say certain things. Juliet has, has you know, just dedicated to make spaces queer so that queer people in the community that haven't been heard can be heard. And so Brandon Johnson, our new mayor, 
um, is excited to kind of start this work that they're going to be doing. And because I'm the only gay pastor in the whole organization, uh, on the board, or on the Members Action Council, I get to chair this meeting and have all of the politicians come. And so for the first time in LSNA's Valenka's history, they're gonna hear a message of hope and a message of freedom and a message of liberation for LGBTQ people in our communities that have been excluded for so long. And this is a journey that would not have happened without a fierce woman that I met here, Hannah. Hannah, she was awesome. She's the one that told me that I was created the way I was created and it changed my life and it changed a lot of people's lives, a lot of people's lives. And, and we're all that, we're all that midwife. Something is birthing inside of this ministry and something is birthing inside of each one of you. And God is wanting for you to let it out, let it out. And maybe we should all be midwives, right? Because to cherish other life as our own and to stand right where we are in our jobs, wherever our roles are, whatever we, wherever we play or wherever we live life and reclaim these places, reclaim the, pace, the, the spaces and places of courage, places of liberation and transformation and to keep living to, uh, if we keep living uh, the courage to say, and every time we see something, and then we're gonna continue to find and preserve and nurture life. And the more we nurture life, the closer we get to the kingdom as God wants it, amen? Um,